Welcome into this archived episode of the original SA Talk podcast. It's your favorite local podcast host and retirement advisor, Zach Espericueta. With the changes to the original podcast and rebrand in May of 2021, the current events and interview follow-up segments were taken out of these archived episodes for easier accessibility to the interview itself. Most new listeners just want to hear the interview anyway. Keep that in mind if you hear any references made to other segments or when you hear some of the old podcast music. I really hope you enjoy this interview. Be sure to give the podcast a rate and review on Apple Podcasts, and a follow on social media at SAPod Network. Enjoy the episode. So welcome back to the SA Talk Podcast. As I said earlier in the episode, we have a special guest joining us today by the name of Clara Guerrero. Clara is currently the Corporate Partnerships Manager at Boys and Girls Clubs of San Antonio. The organization provides a positive environment for children where they can learn, play, and grow when they're not otherwise in school. Clara is a native of Brownsville, Texas, graduated from St. Mary's, and has called San Antonio home since 1984. Clara, thank you so much for everything you do in the community. We're so excited to have you on the podcast and we're eager to learn more about the Boys and Girls Clubs as well as a little bit of your background. Thank you for having me today, guys. It is an honor. I'm so grateful for this opportunity. So I'm really excited to talk to you guys today. So let's kind of jump into this interview by starting with what is your background of how you got involved with the Boys and Girls Clubs of San Antonio? I started my career, my background's marketing and advertising, and I've been in the industry for about 17 years. I started my career in the financial services industry. Um, So after I graduated from St. Mary's University, I was working at Allstate um, Agency for Jay Gutierrez. And then um, I decided that I wanted to pursue the field of marketing and kind of try that out. It was what I went to school for and what I had studied. So I had a great opportunity to go work for Bank of America Military Banking way back when uh, Military Bank was its own operations over off of Grayson across the street from Fort Sad in Houston uh, when the Pearl did not exist and there was nothing out there. Bank of America used to operate kind of on its own and was just a subsidiary of Big Bank. And then after that, they kind of started to roll into um, affinity banking. And at that time, I had this great idea that um, I had it on my bucket list that I would love to work for an agency. And it was just perfect timing because um, we were starting to go through the recession at that time, I think back in 2007. And I was recruited by an agency out of Detroit and Campbell Ewald had just won the account for USAA. And so that agency recruited me because of my financial services background. And so I started there as an account executive and kind of worked my way up working on banking investments. And so while I was there, um, you know, we really helped to teach um, those that were serving in the military about financial literacy. And we know we know that they are deployed and, um, you know, families are here. They, you know, they just have a hard time, you know, being able to do that while they're serving overseas. I did that for a little bit. And then we lost that account, unfortunately. But then I had another really great opportunity. And I was recruited by another agency here in San Antonio, a local agency, this time by Rob Roger Christian here in Alamo Heights. They recruited me for working on a military account, which was Armed Forces Entertainment. So because of my military background and having knowledge of the military communications and military marketing, they brought me on board as their account director. Um, So Armed Forces Entertainment uh, is basically part of the Department of Defense and um, responsible for sending all of our troops overseas free entertainment. So basically their mission is to boost morale um, and create a resilient military community. So 
as you can see, a lot of my work has been very mission centric from, you know, helping those who serve in the military um, to providing and boosting morale to those really young Marines who are away from home overseas who don't have any families with them and being able to just, you know, boost morale through entertainment, um, through comedy shows, through um, music, through sports clinics. And so think of it kind of as a live nation plus USO. And so had a fantastic time working on that account. And then as I was working on the account, I really started to think about, you know, how can I become more civically engaged locally? Like, what can I do here? And how can I get more involved? And I just had this desire and appetite to volunteer. And I didn't really know at that time, like what organization I should volunteer my time to, because you know, there are so many important nonprofit organizations here in San Antonio. So funny story, I was going to have happy hour some wine with um, a really great friend of mine who is the president of PRSA, Mary Minshew, who's also our public affairs at that time, um, our consultant. And she invites me and she says, hey, I'm going to have to cancel um, our happy hour today because I've got this event that I have to support my girlfriend. And, and she said, but you're more than welcome to come because it's right by your house. It's at, it's at Blue Star. So lo and behold, I walk into the event and it is the kickoff to Leukemia and Lymphoma Society Man and Women of the Year campaign. And so I'm there and I start to see a lot of people that I know. I'm thinking, you know, this is like something's pulling me in this direction. Like this is a calling, like this is something that I need to get involved in. And so right then and there, I signed up for the Lisi Fridays campaign for Women of the Year. And so that's kind of how I started my involvement and volunteer work in nonprofit. And so for the last three years now, I've been on the leadership team for uh, Man and Woman of the Year. And so basically my responsibilities are to recruit candidates for Man and Woman of the Year campaign. Um, it's a 10-week fundraising campaign. They raise over, it's about 20 to 24 candidates each year, men and women, a combination of men and women, and they raise over $1.2 million for Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. So at that time, as I'm exploring um, this nonprofit world, I come across a position at the Boys and Girls Club. I just kind of took a leap of faith and said, you know, I'm going to take a huge pay cut um, and I'm going to give back to my community. And I really would love to have just a direct impact in my work um, and be more civically engaged. And so through Leukemia Film Study, I learned about sponsorships and events and fundraising and building relationships. And so that's how I got involved with the Boys and Girls Club. Clara, tell us a little more about what the Boys and Girls Clubs is of San Antonio. You know, what kind of activities do they offer and, and why is it important for the youth of San Antonio? Yeah, absolutely. Since uh, the Boys and Girls Club's inception, we have remained committed to, you know, helping the area and the youth in that area reach their full potential. So our commitment is basically just to guide and equip youth for success through diverse and innovative after-school and summer programs so that we meet their interests and their development needs. A little bit about what that truly means is, you know, we want to help provide, you know, those tools and resources in those areas where the kids have the most need so that regardless of their income level or zip code, that they have access to high quality out-of-school time programming in a safe and positive environment with adults who care about them. So we have, you know, three pillars, um, which are our priority outcomes. 
and we focus on academic success. And I'll talk to you a little bit about um, what that looks like. So our academic success looks like career launch programs, power hour, which is tutoring, STEM programming, of course, and then tutoring like Sylvan uh, Learning. Our second pillar is good character and citizenship. So we have like Keystone Clubs, we have the Torch Club, which is for the sixth through eighth grade. We have Youth of the Year, which is an amazing program, um, which I'll talk to you a little bit more about later. It's basically a program, it's a national program that we leverage for our our biggest and largest fundraiser. And then our third um, pillar for uh, priority outcomes is our Passport to Manhood, which is encompassed around healthy lifestyles. So we have Passport to Manhood, we have physical activities like sports clinics and sports programs, we have Smart Girls, and we have Triple Play. We are really here, um, to put that into perspective, we're here in the neighborhoods where our clubhouses are at. Um, We're located in those areas where they need us the most. 40% of the kids that live in that area um, of children live in poverty. Um, 97% of the members qualify for free or reduced lunch, which is just to kind of put things into perspective of who our target is and who we're supporting. And then 63% of members are raised by single parent households. And so just to put that into perspective, we serve about 7,000 children on an annual basis. Pre-COVID, we've got five freestanding clubhouses, 38 after-school sites. We focus on skills like self-confidence and um, just really have this vision to change the world by equipping our members for success, you know, through diverse and innovative after-school summer programs. So we just believe that every child deserves a great future. And that's that's really what we're here to do. And so what age range of children do, do you help there? That's a great question. So not a lot of people know, but we serve um, ages six all the way through 18, kinder all the way through 12th grade. So we also have three teen centers. Uh, one of the clubhouses is its own designated teen center club, which is over off of Southwest Southwest 19th Street, um, which is our West Side location next to the Calderon Clubhouse. And then we have East Side. Um, we have Maze Clubhouse. It's in the South Side. And then we have Highland Hills and Candlewood. And then we have um, the 37 school based sites that we have are through an extension of our extended day program um, with SAISD and Harland ISD. Now, your role as corporate partnership manager, what does that entail? So, what exactly are you doing at the Boys and Girls Clubs of San Antonio? So the short answer, I ask people for money all day long. (laughs) The long answer is the more appropriate professional response is basically I help um, brands reach their philanthropic goals. So, um, you know, through community engagement, through community outreach, I basically help them uh, put together charity fundraising strategies, you know, from nationwide grocery stores to banks, to television stations, to any corporation that would love to open up new avenues for charities and just reaching those audiences on a national um, level and and a global level, if not even locally as well. Basically, my responsibility is just to manage high volume for partnerships and developing long-term strategies, making sure that we're securing multi-year strategic partnerships, um, and ultimately just you know managing those relationships and researching new brands um, so that we can join forces and make an even bigger impact together. 
And so, you you know, in, in a kind of joking way, you said you ask people for money all day, you know, but, <laughs> but in a serious way, that's how these organizations run. And so, you know, kind of give our audience a, a taste of what the money goes to and that why they understand, you know, why it's so important to give. Absolutely. So currently, you know, in the, in the history, in the entire history of our organization, this is the first time, obviously, we're all going through change, right? And it's been super difficult during the pandemic. And so what we used to do before is very different than what we do now. You know, during the pandemic last year, right around March, we had to close down our doors and we're focusing on, you know, what can we do and what kind of services can we still provide to the families that we serve in our communities? And so we partnered with San Antonio Food Bank, thanks to the relationship with um, Eric Cooper. And um, we decided we were going to provide um, all of our families in the area with food distribution. And so we provided food distribution and we also provided um, COVID care packages. So we provided in those care packages, we branded this club on the go package where we included kids' activities, notes of encouragement, household items that they were needing. You know, um, we had other corporate partners that were donating things like food tickets, you know, to McDonald's and Pizza Hut and Taco Bell, H-E-B gift cards, um, household items like TP, toilet paper and hand sanitizers and, you know, Clorox wipes and things that for the most part, all of us could could go out and get, but that the families that were already struggling were struggling even more to do. So during that short period of time, thank goodness, only lasted about three months, uh, we were able to provide over um, 6,000 families food distribution at all of our clubhouses um, on a weekly basis. So that's kind of what that looked like um, in terms of what the clubs were doing last year. And then um, we decided that we needed to open up our doors and what we heard back from our parents. Um, so we survey our parents even through the food insecurity, which is why we were providing food. I mean, that's something that we heard from them um, and why we decided to do that for them. But um, through our surveys, we actually found too that they were needing us to open up for the summer. So during summertime, we always have, you know, um, our doors open for summer camp. And so we decided for nine weeks, we were going to be open for summer programming, which was full day programming. And so we opened up our doors at, you know, at a limited capacity basis at 30%. Um, our ratio, you know, was one to 12. And so, as I mentioned earlier in the past, we were serving 7,000 kids on an annual basis. But due to COVID, now we were only serving about three to 400. So there's still many, many children, you know, at home that aren't able to come back to the clubs at the moment because of the pandemic. And so I wanted to highlight a, a couple of things about that. So we were probably the we were the first youth serving organization in San Antonio to reopen for summer programs to make sure their kids were safe and active and learning. And then we shifted for the 2021 school year. So we are now open full days to support students learning virtually. And so that's why I wanted to talk about that a little bit when you asked, like, what is it they were doing and what does the money go to? Now that we have um, this learning pop program in place, which is virtual learning at our um, at all of our clubs, we basically provide this environment of learning pods. And so we hire 21 academic aides and uh, we have seven to nine learning pods at each clubhouse. And again, we're serving kinder through 12th grade. 
uh, ages six all the way to 18. Um, and currently we've helped uh, nearly 500 students maintain passing grades in all of their core classes. So then in addition to that, we had the 30 club programs at the school besides that continue to operate inside the schools, again, through um, the relationship with SAISD and Harlandale ISD, all still following CDC um, guidelines for safety. Now, how would you say that your background in financial services and marketing helps you in this nonprofit industry. And the reason I ask that, you know, Amanda's a realtor, I'm a financial advisor, but how do you kind of make that leap or make that transition into a nonprofit industry like that? Like what kind of attributes carry over? So I'm glad that you asked that question very, very carefully, let's say. (laughs) So definitely a learning curve because there is different terminology. So I think marketing, but I sometimes um, working with our development team and our CEO, our our past CEO, Angie Mock, and our development, our chief development officer, uh, Renee Garbins, I have to be very conscious about translating my marketing terminology and corporate background into nonprofit so that we're all speaking the same language. But what I feel has helped me be able to bring value to the organization are those same things. So I think holistically, right? I think um, on an annual planning basis, I think very strategically and help put together, you know, development plans so that we are able to maximize our fundraising efforts. And also like, I have tons of experience managing a team. You know, since Bank of America, I was working remotely even since 2009. We were already doing that because corporate was located in Charlotte, North Carolina. So for people that are just starting to do that, for me, it's already like, second nature. Um, It comes to me very easily and I can, you know, make that shift. So it's helpful to my team that I'm able to do that. It's also helpful to my team that I have acquired those leadership skills to be able to help navigate um, when we have challenging situations. So at Campbell Ewald, I managed a team of five remotely, um, very junior team members. So being able to do that, I think has allowed a lot of opportunity for growth within our team, being able to kind of encourage and inspire and coach and mentor them. So I also have experience with performance coaching through Digital Creative Institute here in San Antonio, which is a digital marketing apprenticeship program. So I think just all of my skill sets in terms of, you know, just being a a leader and being proactive and caring about others and being able to inspire others and let everyone kind of have a place to be able to provide a point of view and support all of our efforts together as a team, I think is the thing that I can most, that I could do most efficiently for our organization. And so maybe someone isn't quite ready to make that career jump, but they do want to volunteer and donate their time. What different opportunities are available that they can, you know, come in and help volunteer there. You know, we've had to get really creative, right? Zoom is our best friend. Teams um, is our best friend, you know, for safety reasons. We're limiting our volunteers, um, in-person volunteers. We're always welcome, you know, to do, you know, club tours. If anybody wants to come tour the club, um, we can, you know, schedule time for people to see what it is that we really do because it's one thing to talk about it, but it's another thing for people to see these kids. And of course, we love to have volunteers because they can engage 
engage directly, you know, with the kids and see like the impact that they're making and like, like the change that we're actually creating. For example, on an executive leadership level, you know, we're always um, looking at board members. So that's something that we focus on. In terms of workforce development, we have a Alamo Trades Day in the fall, which is a wonderful, wonderful event that teaches kids hands-on skills in the trades. Um, that provides to them apprenticeship programs. And so we have volunteers that sign up uh, for that day with corporate partners um, like TD Industries and Alamo Trades Commission and Turner Construction, uh, Sunt Corporation. Those are other opportunities as well. We also have opportunities like recently our, our Youth of the Year program. We had people who just uh, we reached out to who wanted to donate, you know, silent auction items. That's kind of our way of like volunteering and kind of creating these ways of how you can get involved. One of the other things that we love to see is combine these ideas of employee giving plus volunteering plus notes of encouragement. We have companies like Medtronic who send notes of encouragement and we deliver them to to the children. We also do virtual volunteer activities. So we'll have someone come in and provide like a fitness challenge. Uh, we're, we're planning this with Navy Week. Uh, so NAVCO has reached out to us. Uh, we're going to be doing a week full of Navy events. Uh, we're going to do all of it virtually through Zoom. So those are some various ways and we're not limited, right? Like I said, we're, we get very creative with these things and we can't be limited. You know, we've got to be able to pick this up and continue our mission and continue supporting the work that we're doing. So we're not opposed to creating something and tailoring something custom to any of the volunteers. I want to get off topic here and, and go back in time because you mentioned that you helped coordinate concerts and other events for our military overseas. And Clara, when we first met, you kind of mentioned that when you did so, you came across a big name or two. Uh, so kind of tell our listeners a little bit more about those experiences and maybe a name that you uh, got to tour with. Yeah, I would love to. So when I talk to people, when we do intro, intro meetings, I always kind of want to share this. Um, and I always like giggle because I think it's so funny because, you know, I'm Latina from a little town, you know, in Brownsville, speck on a map. I, I don't know if I shared this yet, but I was a teen parent. So my son is 24. I had him when I was 16 years old and my family has a very, you know, dynamic background. So it's very interesting to talk about this. So um, I was sent twice to uh, Japan in 2017. I was able to tour with Shaggy, the award-winning reggae artist. I just laugh because I'm like, do you know who Shaggy is? Because I just never know like if the younger generation knows who Shaggy is or not. But recently, I don't know if you guys saw him, but he was on um, the Super Bowl commercial for Doritos, I think it was. And then I think a couple of years ago too, he did a collab with Sting's new album. So he's still out there. He's still moving and grooving. And so just a huge opportunity to work with him um, directly. And so basically what I was responsible for, you know, here in San Antonio, think of it as like not event planning, but like event marketing and event communications. So that's basically my work all digitally, right? Because, you know, our troops are overseas. So, you know, I created award winning websites for them because we wanted to bring this feel again, like I said, they asked where they're military, but we want to get away from that. Like we don't want to speak to them that way because that's not what they 
want to do on their time off, right? We want them to feel relaxed and have, have ease and peace of mind. And we know that they're gaming, we know they're listening to music. So I really wanted to pull this idea of like Live Nation and music festival branding and Super Bowl branding. And so, yeah, with Shaggy, it was a huge surprise. We toured Okinawa. So the and the only downfall to these tours is that I've been to Tokyo twice and never have seen Tokyo because we go straight to the military bases. So with Shaggy in 2017, we toured, I think, three bases um, in Okinawa. And then we combined that with a commercial tour. So we contracted not just the military tour, but a commercial tour in Hawaii. So it was terrible. I got to go to Japan and then I got to go to Hawaii. The commercial tour was in Hawaii and we did 15 days in Japan and then four days in Hawaii. And let me tell you, it's it's grueling. Like it's not really like, you know, the celebrity lifestyle is not, not all it's cut out to be. I mean, it's exhausting. You're working nonstop. In 2019, my client invited me back to tour with Cirque Dreams, which is a Cirque Productions. Um, Cirque Productions created and tailored a military, custom military show just for our troops. Again, going back to Okinawa and the mainland in Japan, we uh, were there for 19 days, 15 shows, two to three shows a day, five military bases. Uh, We had an incredible promotion where we had the kids do a costume contest design. And so we use that as kind of our pre-tour promotion. And so all of the kids on base submitted their designs. We got to select the design and then Cirque Productions actually designed it um, and created it and made it part of the show. So it was, it was amazing. It was just an amazing opportunity. And Clara, you've been to a lot of places. You've been overseas. Of course, you were born in the Valley and then eventually lived here in San Antonio. But what do you think makes San Antonio a unique place to live, a unique place to do business, just to be a nonprofit here? Like what makes San Antonio so great? Oh my gosh, I can't say enough about this city. I always used to think, you know what, one day, again, my bucket list, right? I always think I have a plan, but like God has a different plan for me. I always think like, I would love to live and work, you know, in another city. And like, I just feel like I'm destined to work and live somewhere else and want to do these great, amazing things in New York or Chicago or Miami or, you know, even, even Austin. And, you know, I've had the opportunity to, interview um, in a lot of those places. It never happened to be the right timing. And so what I've learned is to embrace where I'm at and to love where I'm from and where I grew up. And I feel like, you know, San Antonio is definitely home now. I mean, what don't you love about this city? I mean, the people are amazing. You go to different places and you find, you know, the people are not as nice personality wise. Like we hear this about like when you travel to New York or other places. I mean, we have fiesta. What's not to love about, you know, a 10 day, you know, festival in San Antonio. You know, we're military USA, which is huge for us economically like we bring a lot of family military families here in san antonio so we serve where you know we serve the military which is just a great thing about where we live um you know we see i used to live in a neighborhood where it was primarily military and you know it's just a a really amazing thing to be involved with those who serve our country and and sacrifice, you know, their lives for us. Um, You know, we have over, you know, 2.5 million people that visit San Antonio every year, which is also amazing. So, I mean, it's home and, you know, people are doing such amazing things here. And so what I've learned to, like I said, embrace is just like, 
be here and make an impact every day, you know, strive to be better, um, connect with those people who are doing the exact same thing, you know, that connecting with you through Patricia Butler, she was on my team for Latina Leadership Institute. And she introduced me to Zach. And it's those kinds of things that we're doing, like that are helping to encourage and inspire others and the local work and the local impact. And I always say like, once you start like doing something to better yourself, then you can, you can start doing the work to inspire others, you know, through those efforts. You know, I'm a huge fan of Lorenzo Gomez and um, he supported the Boys and Girls Club this past summer as well. So that was our first virtual event at the Boys and Girls Clubs was a team talk with Lorenzo Gomez where he came in and talked to the kids about mental health awareness on his book, Tefoyo Toro, Three Years of Fear. So things like that, supporting each other and finding those opportunities to kind of speak to the community and reach them and create awareness about not just what I'm doing, but what about what what you're doing and kind of connect that circle of influence, right? The city is just thriving. It's becoming like a thriving hub. But I mean, he's he's responsible now for creating, you know, over 10,000 tech jobs, you know, through startups and this ecosystem development, right? You know, um, through this, through this digital tech industry, through geekdom and geekdom media and through content and, you know, through his books and him serving on a San Antonio area foundation. Like I said, I'm a huge fan of his. (laughs) I can go on and on, but that's really what it is about San Antonio is just finding, you know, those people who support your work that you love and that you support as well. Um, And I I just, I can't say enough about this city. It's just has a huge place in my heart. And I think that's why San Antonio is great. And so Clara, now I want to ask my absolute favorite question of the interview. And so I want to ask what legacy are you trying to leave here in San Antonio? I think going back to what I said, I think if I can inspire and create change, I mean, it starts locally and then it grows from there. If I can inspire and encourage someone to do better, you know what I mean? Like to be better, to serve in a way, that is the one thing I would love to leave behind is to just be known as a person that helped others and helped encourage others and lifted other people up um, in, in their efforts, whatever that looks like in the future as Councilwoman Guerrero or whatever, you know, uh, who, who knows? But um, I think that's the most important thing for me to leave behind. You know, what I really like, Clara, about your story and what you do is you were and still are in a professional industry, but you felt this calling to do more, to do more for the community, to do more locally, to do more abroad. And I think that resonates with us and listeners. I know personally, when I was still working at Frostbank, that was something that came across my mind all the time is, you know, I I had a good job. um, And of course, I have a good job now I work for myself. But, you know, I, I found myself thinking, what more can I do? What more can I do for the community? What can I do to help the people around me? And so, I want to ask, what advice would you give to professionals out there who, you know, they have a great job, they they make a great income, and that's all great, but they want to do more here for the community and for their neighbor and for the people surrounding them. What advice would you give to them? So I'm going to give you a little bit of insight as to how this came about for me and my journey. So while I was at Digital Creative Institute being a performance coach, we went through a branding exercise, a branding workshop, you know, working in in marketing and advertising, you know, I've done tons of branding workshops, right? You know, for brands, but you know what? I had never done it for myself. 
And so one of the first steps that they do in this program, which I am a huge advocate for, is a brand new workshop. And it really helps you to explore your core values, your mission, your vision, your short and long-term goals. And I think that's kind of where it started. And that's what the advice that I would give to anyone young or old. It's like, if you have not taken the opportunity to do a branding workshop for yourself and really hone in and take a look at what are your core strengths? What do you love? What are you passionate about? Um, And really identifying those things and being super intentional. Funny story. So when I went through the workshop, uh, one of the things that you do is you, at the end of it, you write a letter to yourself. You write down what your goals are going to be. And then DCI mails it to you a year later. So it's COVID, right? Like it's the pandemic. It's happening, you know, we're this time last year, right? We're all quarantined. I get a letter in the mail and I'm like, what is this? And why is it my handwriting? Right. And it's just like a, a like a lightweight. And, and the other thing is, it's like, I'm horrible at checking my mail. So I don't even know how long it was sitting in my mailbox. I checked the mail, opened this letter up and I'm like, this looks like my hand, like my handwriting. Like, this is weird. I'm like getting creeped out. Right. Am I in a black mirror episode or like what's going on? Like am I having like deja vu or what? So I open up the letter and it's the goals that I've written for myself a year ago. And one of the things on there was to sign up for a leadership program. And so to be very candid and transparent, like I've always wanted to do a leadership program, but for whatever reason, I never felt like I was smart enough or good enough or uh, accomplished enough, just had this fear of not knowing what that process would look like or not getting approved. And it just so happened when I got the letter, I was three months into the Hispanic Chamber Latina Leadership Program. And I was just like mind blown. I'm like, because one of the things on my on my goals list was to sign up for a leadership program. I'm like, it's so amazing. And then on top of that, like I just felt super proud and inspired for myself. And it just came at the most perfect time, especially like when when I was quarantined, because, you know, I, I, I live alone. And so, you know, just looking for things to stay inspired and hopeful during that time was, was really tough. Um, so just getting that letter uh, was just really inspiring for me. So that's the recommendation I have for someone is, you know, do a brand workshop, like really figure out like, what is your passion? What are your goals? Like, what is your mission and vision? Like, who do you want to be? And what do you stand for? And I think that's the first step. Well, this has been just such a fun interview and we've learned so much from you, not only about the boys and girls clubs, but also about you and your personal journey. And I love that you, you know, you started out where people might've not had faith that you would have been where you are now and, and look, look what you're doing. Um, You're making an incredible difference in our community. So we want to give you, um, you know, some time to just plug different events going on your social media, boys and girls club, where we can find you, get involved, all that good stuff. Awesome. Yes. Thank you so much, guys. Like I said, it's been a pleasure and an honor to just be here talking with you today. So I wanted to share a little bit about the success that we recently had. So we just had two weeks ago, our most important and biggest fundraiser, which is the youth of the year. 
program. Um, it's our, we called it this year, Youth of the Year Ungala because it was 100% virtual. You know, we had hoped that we were going to um, be able to have a hybrid event. And unfortunately, we weren't able to do that. However, we went 100% virtual and just had an amazing turnout. Youth of the Year program is a program, a national program with the Boys and Girls Clubs. And just so everyone knows, just to clarify, Boys and Girls Club is national. We do have the Boys and Girls Clubs of San Antonio. And then, you know, every other city has their own Boys and Girls Clubs um, that are not affiliated. So there's a lot of things that are passed through um, national. And then there's a lot of things that we do locally. The Youth of Year program is national. And so right around the end of the year, we start um, this program. And it's a leadership program where we teach kids um, about having a voice and leadership skills and creating resumes and a portfolio and teaching them about public speaking. And you get to see this transformation of these teens that have never had the opportunity to speak up for themselves. I mean, just truly, truly inspiring program. I myself hadn't seen um, the program from start to finish until this year. I was in tears when we had the judges there. Um, people just sharing, the teens sharing their story and their their obstacles and the adversity that they face. Our winner, Lauren, who you can see in our virtual on gala anytime on YouTube or on our Facebook page. Our Facebook page is at BGC San Antonio. Our website is BeGreatSA.org. So you can see Lauren talk about her story. She experienced homelessness, which is just heartbreaking because you think about the things that we're going through, right? And you never stop and think like, how can these kids focus on school? How can they focus on accomplishing their goals when they don't have food? They don't have a home. They're moving from place to place on, you know, a weekly basis. Those that are were already struggling are struggling even more during this pandemic. But through great advocates for our program and our mission, our sponsors, our donors, our silent auction donors. We had over 1,900 viewers just on Facebook alone of our virtual gala. We had over 578 engagements, had over 140 comments, and then we had over 36 shares. That's just some of our metrics on Facebook alone. In addition to that, we raised over $13,000 through our silent auction. We got very strategic with it. Instead of having the silent auction be 20 items, we decided to um, increase that to 40 items and we extended the silent auction from before the event all the way through after the event, a couple of days after the event, which really helped us to give people more time to to bid. So we were just honored and so grateful of all of the donations. And then in addition to that, the event was a huge success and we raised over $160,000. We didn't meet our goal, but I we are super proud of the work that was done, you know, being able to adapt and do um, this event virtually. And, you know, who knows, like maybe, you know, we've actually done more this year, you know, because we haven't limited our gala to just people at the Tobin Center, you know, to just three to 400 people there. We've now expanded that and reached over 2000 people to really share our mission. Once again, Clara, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast and, and taking time out of your day to share your story. And of course, what the Boys and Girls Clubs of San Antonio does for the community and, and the youth here in San Antonio. No, thank you guys. Thank you, Zach. Thank you, Amanda. It was a privilege again and an honor. And I'm so grateful for this opportunity. Anything I can do for you guys, please feel free to, you know, to reach out. I would, you know, love to support any of your endeavors in any way that I can.
Absolutely. Listeners, we're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, Amanda and I will give our thoughts on today's guest. So stay tuned. From coast to coast, from the Great Lakes to the Gulf, at Spectrum Reach, we make local businesses big and big brands look local with the best content, insights, products, and people. Be on every screen with that one idea you need to turn a consumer into your customer. We're the most trusted media partner in America, and we're also your neighbors. Welcome to Spectrum Reach. Let us show you around the neighborhood. Grow your business. Go to SpectrumReach.com to get started. Thank you for listening to this archived episode of the original Essay Talk podcast. I really hope you enjoyed the interview. If you enjoyed this episode and are looking for more content, you'll want to hit that subscribe or follow button, depending on which podcast platform you are using. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, I do also ask that you please give us a rate and review. That really helps the podcast grow. Lastly, if you want to keep up with the podcast, check us out on social media at SAPod Network. Take care and Viva San Antonio. <laughs>